0: Luke chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 25 through 37. And, I, you know, obviously I, I, I was teaching through James, and hopefully you guys followed along so that way when we get back into James, you're not like just diving right into it in the middle of chapter 4. Um, but if you missed some of the teachings, they're online, I would encourage you to listen to them because they're practical teachings for us to follow and abide by uh, in the times that we live in. Uh, specifically even chapter 2, which we'll touch on a little bit today. Um, But as I was stating earlier, obviously uh, right now there's a lot that is happening in the world. Um, There's always a lot that's happening, but specifically now uh, after going through a pandemic, and I guess we're still going through it, I don't know. (laughs) It's not really being talked about anymore. Um, And obviously we we see the protests, we see the injustice that's happening uh, in our world, and specifically right now in America. Um, and we see the people standing up for the injustice. Um, and what I want to talk about is is how we as Christians are are to handle this. And I believe that we do a good job, but I also believe that we can always learn and we can also still continue to search our hearts and see if there's any wickedness in us. Because everything, every evil thing that happens, that has ever happened and that will happen, stems from what? Sin, right? It's, it, it stems from sin, it, it, And sin is in our own hearts. And now we, unfortunately, or fortunately, are not able to control other people, right? But we are able to control what is in us and and what goes in and what comes out. And it all depends on what our relationship with the Lord is because he's the one that will transform your heart. He's the one that will change your thought process. He will, he's the one that can change the way that you see people and the way that you act upon things. Um, so this morning, we're going to be talking about the Good Samaritan. How many of you guys have ever heard this this Bible story? So most of us, because it's a pretty prominent story. Um, so let's pray, and then let's let's jump into it. We'll, we'll go through it a little bit, and then when we're done, I still want to break up into groups if we can, because I think this will provide some good discussion for us. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I, I can't believe that we're finally back together again. I thank you um, just for your protection. Lord, I thank you for your provision. Lord, I thank you for uh, just allowing us to be here in this room together again um, with more than 10 people. Um, You have blessed us and you continue to bless us. And even when things are hard and even when things aren't going right, you are still in the midst of us or you can still give us joy in the midst of hardship. And I pray for that now that you would help us to focus our eyes on you, Lord, not in the on other things, not on the things of this world, and help us to um, just do the things that you have commanded us to do as Christians, and as those of you called to love one another and love the world. We love you. praise you in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to go ahead and just read the whole thing, and then we'll go through it verse by verse. It says in verse 25, Luke chapter 10, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, obviously speaking of Jesus, saying, "Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said to him, "What is written in the law? What is your reading of it?" So he answered and said, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself." And he, Jesus said to him, "You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live." But he, wanting to justify himself, Said to Jesus, and who and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by. On the other side, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, "Take care of him, and whatever more you spend." when I come again I will repay you. So he asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the guy answered and he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So this morning again I felt led to I don't want to share any of my opinions. That's always the case anytime I, I'm teaching the Word of God, because my opinions are rarely right, and I know what is right, and that's that's the Word of God. And so, I wanted to express through the Word of God what what is happening in the world. And I think you guys know what happened. We have you guys seen the video with uh, the white police officer officer killing the the the, um, the black guy? You guys saw that, and. I'm sure as you watched that, that was something that was, I hope, that was just gut wrenching to you, that it was gross, um, that it was just, it was sad, and, it, and, it, and it, I hope it, it broke your heart. In the same sense of having mercy and compassion that Jesus calls for here, when the guy is left on the road, hurting and broken, and, and basically left half dead. Um, and so with that, we've seen the uproar of, of the injustice. Uh, you know specifically with white cops against black men and this isn't something that's new this is something obviously that's been happening since time began since, since there have been different races but now it's it's gotten to you know the point where where we are at right now and so why why is that happening why why does that happen well again it all stems from sin and from sin comes prejudice comes anger comes jealousy it comes hatred all these wicked and evil things stem from sin and unfortunately all of us are born into that but there is good news right the good news is Jesus Christ because he's the only one that can change and save a person from sin am I right yes right thank thank God because we are some wicked and evil people and we see that with the story here with this lawyer, we see it with the two guys who passed by, uh, the guy that was left for dead, where they didn't even take a second thought to go and help him. And this story that Jesus is sharing with us has to do with race, it really does. It has to do with race, because we're gonna see here the Jews and the Samaritans, and we talk about this all the time, the difference between them, and how there was this, this social divide and how they did not like each other, how they hated each other, and how they detested one another, and that you wouldn't be caught speaking to one of them, we saw that with the example with Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman, right, the woman at the well, and the disciples are like, well, what do you, what the heck are you doing, because Jesus did two things that were not socially acceptable at that time, what was that, when, it, when he talked to the woman at the well, well, first he talked to a woman, right, that was not socially acceptable, And the second thing was, she was a Samaritan. And if you read the text, you see that Jesus actually went out of his way to go through Samaria to get to Jerusalem, right? So Jesus did two things that were just completely out of context socially there, but Jesus didn't—he didn't worry about what was socially right and socially wrong in the sense of how it looked, you know, how it looked from the outside— He did what was just right in the eyes of God, right? Treating a woman the way that a woman should be treated, which is equal, and treating a Samaritan the same way that anybody else should be treated, regardless of race, you know, economic status, or ethnicity, or wherever you've been born, or what you look like. He treated everyone the same, right? We know that because we saw that specifically with his life, but we also know because he died for everyone, right? John 3 16, for God so loved the world right? For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. Now, not only that, but guess what? God created all of us, right? Like, we see that all throughout the Bible, that God loves and cares for every single person, and and I don't think, like, you know, you guys don't understand this. I know you guys understand this, and, and I believe that you guys believe this, too, and you understand that. So here we are in Luke chapter 10, in verse 25, this lawyer comes up to Jesus and often throughout the Gospels we see Jesus being tested, right? We see Jesus being tested here and there and oftentimes it's by the religious people. And when I say religious, I'm not talking about somebody who truly loves God. I'm talking about somebody who thinks they love God but really just wants the attention and the affection from people, right? Or they, want, they have ulterior, uh, ulterior motives of gaining other things rather than truly just obeying and loving God the way that he's commanded us. So we see a certain lawyer, he comes up, and he tests Jesus. uh, And this lawyer, what this has to do with, it it means pertaining to the law, and the law that was given to Moses, right? And the law that was given to Moses was what? Love your neighbor. Yeah, you're right, he says that. the, The Ten Commandments, right? We know the Ten Commandments, do this and don't do that. And so this lawyer knew exactly what the law was, you know, they knew it inside and out, they knew all the loopholes, they knew all the things, you know, uh, about it and not about it, and so he comes up to Jesus, and he calls him teacher, and he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus could have just point-blank told him, but Jesus rarely ever does that, right? (laughs) Jesus always wants to get you to think, right? You know, like when Nicodemus came and And Nicodemus basically asked the same question, and and Jesus said, well, you must be born again, right? And Nicodemus is like, do I get back in my mother's womb? Like, that's, I can't do that. You know, and so here, rather than being point-blank with him, what does he do? He asks him a question. Now, what happens when somebody asks you a question? (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, sometimes, not always. Uh, But a, a wise counselor, listen, a wise counselor doesn't always respond with giving answers Sometimes if you just ask a question, you can get the person thinking about the answer himself. And I think that's really, and what also what it does, it is it exposes what the person was already thinking and why they asked the question, right? And so Jesus does that here. He says, what is written in the law? And Jesus obviously already knows that this guy knows what's written in the law. But then he goes on and says, what is your reading of it, right? Like, how do you distinguish it? What, What do you know? What can you acknowledge from it? so this is his answer. The two main commandments, right? You, say, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind in your neighbor as yourself. You think that was a good answer? Yeah? This is, we're dialoguing. Alright? Yeah. Why is that a good answer? Because <laughs> it. Jesus, Right? So the lawyer here, he's quoting, look, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 5, which says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then Leviticus nineteen eighteen, which says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we know these to be the two greatest commandments because we see in the New Testament when Jesus was challenged again that he says these are the two great commandments and all the law hangs on these basically saying that if you can follow these two commandments then you can obey the law like that all the law falls under these two commandments right because if you love your neighbor what are you not going to do you're not going to murder you're not going to steal you know you're not going to covet you're not going to do all the things that jesus told us not to do right and why does he tell us not to do these things not because Jesus is a stickler, right? Not just because, you know, like, he's the boss and he just wants to give us some rules to abide by. No, these are rules that are freeing. These are rules that that cause for unity and love to be displayed, right? But when we don't abide by those rules, what happens? Yeah, basically. It ends up in death, whether that's physically or spiritually, right? There's chaos. It's just... It's it, it it gets to the point where we're at today, okay. Now I do wanna I do wanna mention, and I will get to this that there is a time to stand up for injustice. There is a time to hate, right? There is a time to hate. You you can hate and not sin, right? Like you or I wanna say hate anger. You can get angry. You can get angry and not sin, right? There is a right way of doing it, and then obviously there's a wrong way of doing. It. Right? You can become angry in a righteous way. You can stand up for social injustices in a righteous and good way. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So he brings up the two greatest commandments. And again, Jesus said that the entire law rested on these two commandments. So if you could obey these two, then you're golden. Now obviously we know we're still sinners, so we still struggle with this. And I think we struggle with just the first one. Today, we're going to be talking about the second one, loving thy neighbor, right? But in reality, if you can't do the first one, can you do the second one? Not really well, right? Not the way that God intended it to be. Not where it's universal for every single person. Yeah, we might, and, and that's exactly what happens here, is that the lawyer's going to ask, well, who is my neighbor? Why does he ask that question? Well, because he wants Jesus to tell him that it's his neighbor that he likes, right? That it's fellow Jews. That's what he wants to hear. But what does Jesus say? Well, he gives him a story, and the story tells us that it's not just the people that you like or the people that you are closest to. It's literally everyone. Everyone. That's who your neighbor is. So again, in verse 28, he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Isn't that a Mr. Rogers song? Won't you be my neighbor? I watch too much TV. Just who, then, is this neighbor I am required to love, Jesus? This is what the lawyer is asking here. It says if he wants to know just how big he must draw the circle of compassion. He doesn't want it to reach the outer bounds of the people that he doesn't want to show compassion to. The lawyer is hoping that Jesus will help him feel better about loving his neighbor. He wants to feel comfortable that he is doing enough. And the Jews typically qualified the neighbor to exclude Gentiles and Samaritans. And as long as Jesus goes along with the standard traditional answer, the lawyer can feel good about himself. Now, Jews interpreted neighbor. In, Levit- in Leviticus 19.18 to mean fellow Jews. he was Again, he was hoping for Jesus to affirm which he already believed, that being a good neighbor meant caring exclusively for other Jews. Now with this story, with the Good Samaritan story, it's more than just being a good person to somebody who is hurting, right? I think that's kind of how we see this. We, you know, we, the Good Samaritan's kind of thrown out a lot. But first, he's, he's making the point here, Jesus is making the point, that loving one's neighbor is to transcend all racial and cultural boundaries. And second, what we're gonna see is that Jesus is challenging the Jews' stereotype negative generalization of Samaritans by casting a Samaritan as the compassionate hero. The good Samaritan was intentionally about race. This is what this story is about. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked, Who is my neighbor? The lawyer, again, hoped he could fulfill the command to love his neighbor by exclusively focusing on the Jews. But Jesus, obviously, loves everyone, and he would not have it. Jesus' story demonstrated that love for our neighbor should transcend all racial, national, social, and economic boundaries. So who are the Samaritans and the Jews? How can we understand exactly what's happening because I may not know which ones which and and who they are. Well listen to this. When the nation of Israel split politically after Solomon's rule, King Omri named the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel Samaria. We see that in 1 Kings 1624. The name eventually referred to the entire district which had been taken captive by Assyria in 722 BC. While Assyria led most of the populace of the ten northern tribes away, it left a sizable population of Jews in the northern Samaritan region and then transported many non-Jews into Samaria. Now these groups intermingled to form a mixed race through intermarriage. And eventually, tension developed between the Samaritans and the Jews who returned from captivity. The Samaritans withdrew from the worship of Yahweh at Jerusalem and established their worship at Mount Gerizim in Samaria. As a a result of this history, Jews repudiated the Samaritans and considered them heretical. Intense ethnic and cultural tensions raged historically between the two groups so that both avoided contact as much as possible. The Jews had no dealings whatsoever with the Samaritans. In a conversation that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman, we're told that she said the following Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, and this is in John 4 9, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans now this was over 2,000 years ago right and it almost seems like not much has changed and I think that's one thing that you and I are going to have to understand and, and know is that I don't think much more is going to change because sin is sin there's, there's still going to be murderers there's still going to be rapists there's still going to be thieves There's still going to be people who just mistreat other people. That's unfortunate, but that's what sin does, and sin has not been eradicated from this world. Until Jesus Christ comes back and reigns again as king, sin is going to be prevalent, and it's going to be prominent, and we're going to know it's going to get worse and worse and worse. That doesn't mean that we participate in it, right? And I believe that and I understand that. I think you guys know that, and you don't want to, because we see the destruction we see the evil we see the injustice we see the you know just how bad it's it's becoming so why did jesus deal with a samaritan woman well we know jesus we know his heart he loves all whether it's woman man kid uh, old person black white asian latino all the different every different person whether you got one eyes two eyes or three eyes whether you got no hands or you do have hands, whether there's so much discrimination for so many different things. But I do know right now that specifically that there's a lot of discrimination amongst black males. Okay, and that's the focus that we need to understand right now. That yes, there are other injustices happening, right? Like abortions. Mallory, you can acclaim claim to that because you've been going to the abortion clinic pretty much every weekend? And she's been updating me on how many babies have been aborted every week just from that specific location. Not even a week, just a day, just a morning, right? Yeah, we need to stand up for that. And there's a time for that. But what we're going to find out is that we need to focus on what's in front of us. And just like we see with the Samaritan man, that he focuses on what's in front of him, and that was the hurting man that's in front of him. That was the hurting man who was left half dead, on the roadside. But I want to look at Jesus's heart towards people. John 3:16, we know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Peter in Acts 10:34 verse and 35 said, he opened his mouth and he said, "In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality." And if you guys listen to our James study, James encourages us to not show any partiality, right? whether that, and he gave us examples of the rich and the poor, right? How sometimes, you know, and I think we do this and we know this, that with celebrities, what do we do? We love them, right? We flock to them. We we follow them on every social media platform. You know, we fangirl when we see them and we want pictures with them. We treat them differently than we would treat somebody who may be poor, right? And if somebody who's rich, let's just say, you know, somebody rich comes in let's just say a rich kid comes in i'm sure none of you are rich let's say like some i don't know youtube kid comes in he's like bringing in like 15 million a year You're probably gonna want to be friends with him right because you know he's probably gonna you guys ever seen mr beast yeah okay you know that guy just like throws out money like it's nothing and he's like well whatever kid can sit in the chair the longest he'll give you half a million dollars right i mean like who wouldn't want that friend right because Here's a guy that's gonna offer you money just to do something stupid and you're gonna be walking away with it, right? You would probably treat him differently than you would somebody who... Okay, I'm not gonna assume that, but James is, is saying that's often what happens and that we're not supposed to, that we're supposed to see each other equally because we're human, because we were created and designed by God. And the things that we've been born into, we can't help, right? I can't help that I was born into a poor family. I can't help that, you know, my mom left when I was one, right? Like, how is that my fault? Like, I can't help that, you know, I'm white. I probably could. I could go tanning or something. But, you know, I. you get what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of things that there is discrimination over on things that we're just born with, that we, that we didn't choose, right? But God did choose. And God loves us and he cares for us. And the one thing also I want to ex- explain is that we— you ever heard the, the phrase like I'm not colorblind right no like like I don't see color like not in the sense of like color like on TV but like color of skin and I, I think this I think I think I, I think we all get where you're coming from but we also like like I, I I know you're black I know I'm white I know you're you know you're Asian or you're Hispanic or you're this or that like I know I see it right it's not a bad thing it's not something that we should be blind about right like it's something that we should celebrate and rather not be you know specifically intentionally ignorant about it right like because we all have grown from different cultures different backgrounds and we all have something beautiful and awesome to offer right would you agree with me right otherwise like i would never know what you know good food is (laughs) right like or else i would never know like how to dance or you know all these all these different things And, and more than just you know dumb things like food and all that. There's so much that we all have to offer. And look, if you look at our church, it's amazing. I mean, look around the room. Look how different we are, just physically how different we are, right? I think you guys understand that, and you guys probably don't even see that, and that's, that is a beautiful thing in the sense, but if you go around Clayton, we are probably, I don't know if I can say this, we're probably, we'll mute this out afterwards and take it out, we're probably like the, one of the handful of churches that's mixed. That's not just 98% white or 98% black or whatever else there is, right? And it's beautiful. And that happens by, yes, being intentional, but also it just happens naturally because of the spirit that God has given us. Because we love one another, right? We love one another. I mean, sometimes when I'm hanging out with you guys, I'm the only white guy in the group, right? I mean, like,
1: and I love it, and
0: hopefully you love it. I'll bring my whiteness and all the fun stuff I have with that. All right, so that's Acts 10, 34, and 35. Romans 3, 23, we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's where we're all the same again. We all suck, right? We're all sinners. We've all messed up. Not one is better. We are all equally the worst, right? And yet God still loved us. Remember that, like like God not only sees your beauty, right? And, and how different you are, but he also sees how ugly you are, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he died for you. We see that in 2 Corinthians 5:15, he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And most, and then in Galatians uh, chapter 3, 26 through 28 says, uh, "For you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ." And there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Obviously, there is, like, obviously still male and female and all this. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. The point is that we have all been unified through the same Spirit, that we've all been unified through Jesus. We're all the same before God, and we are all equal at the foot of the cross. No one is better, no one is higher. No one is more evolved or superior over anyone. In fact, it says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. And Jesus died for all of us. He loves us and he cares for us. And we are all so different. And yet, we're all the same, right? We're all the same. We're sinners. We're in the need of Jesus. So in verse 30, it says, Then Jesus answered, he said to him, Telling of this story, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And so from this verse, one thing I want to point out, although it is subtle, it's very clear that there will always be evil in this world until Jesus returns as king, right? Like, we don't even focus on the thief here that that left this guy half dead, right? Like, that's not even the focus of Jesus' story here. Because in reality, it's all, there's always going to be thieves. There's always going to be evil. It's what we do in response to it, right? So in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, In you he made alive, who were dead in trespass and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, "...among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." Pointing out that there is always going to be evil until that evil is taken care of, until that evil is thrown into the pit of hell. In John 10.10, it says, "...the thief, speaking of Satan, he does not come except to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy." So we see where all this comes from. It stems from Satan and sin. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said what? I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. So what's going to change the world? What's going to change, you know, people from being racist? What's what's going to change from people mistreating others, whether it's racism or not? What's going what's gonna to change just... Uh, people's anger towards one another, what's going to change all the injustice in this world? It's Jesus, right? Yes, like I understand that extra training will help, and education will help, and talking will help. Yes, all those things will help, but at the root of it all is sin, and the only one who can overcome that is Jesus. I mean, we see it in our own lives, the, the person that we were before Jesus we even see now when we do have Jesus, the struggle that we have with the flesh in, this, in the spirit. That there, there is this constant battle. In Galatians 5, 19-21, it talks about the works of the flesh and how evident they are. And he says, look, this is what they are. The works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. And then Jesus says to you as Christians, you are not to participate in any of that because that's of the flesh, but rather be of the Spirit. And from the Spirit is going to come love. And with that love, you'll be able to love God with all your heart. But if you can't love God with all your heart first, it's going to be really hard to love your neighbor. And not just the neighbor that you're going to draw your circle around. The circle that Jesus is talking about encompasses the entire world. doesn't matter who they are. If they are hurting, if they are in need, then you help. You show mercy. You show grace. You show love. He says, love your neighbor. What's the golden rule? As yourself, right? And we love ourselves. So we love them the same way that we would want to be loved or treated. And so with this, we need to focus first on our own hearts. What is in my heart that is not of God? you might be thinking, well, I, you know, I'm not this way, you know, I'm not, I'm a pretty compassionate person, or, you know, I don't show partiality, or I don't show this or that, but in reality, remember, hearts are more wicked than anything else, and we were born in sin, and we still struggle with sin, and we constantly need to check our hearts and see what is not of God, and God, if there's any wickedness in me, show me, so I can repent, so that you can transform and change my heart, It's only through the love of Jesus that we're able to break down the walls of racism while still being able to celebrate our differences. In verse 31, it says, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Okay, just to put it in traditional perspective and what that would look like today, that would be like a pastor, okay? So imagine a guy's hurting on the road and a pastor just eyeballs him and then just keeps walking. Is that good or not? No. That's not good for any single person, but let alone a pastor, right? Whose primary job is to shepherd the flock and to love people and to care and tend for them. And yet, he walks right by him. In verse 32 likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and he passed by on the other side. So not only are they walking by him, but they're going to the complete other side. You remember Jesus all throughout scriptures he always did what was different than what the world expected or what standards they had come up with right like he would heal on the Sabbath right you guys remember that and they got mad at him and like if you think about that logically because they were thinking about religiously he's making somebody better and it doesn't matter what day it is but because of their religious and their their religion They were like, okay, well, Jesus, that's not okay. You can't heal that guy on, you know, whatever day that is, Saturday or Sunday. I know, right? That's not right. When Christians feel compassion for the suffering and the marginalized but do nothing, they're acting more like the Levite and the priest. Listen, it's not good enough to just, for us, just, let me rephrase this. It's not good enough for us to just not do bad. Does that make sense? That's not good enough but we have to be proactive in doing good okay that's like you as a christian just trying not to sin okay (laughs) that's a horrible life don't try to wake up every day and try like not to sin because what you're gonna end up doing is sinning right it's like it, it doesn't work what you have to do is you have to love god with all your heart and naturally you won't sin right it's not good enough for us as people and as christians To not just not do bad, but we have to be proactive in doing good. And we see this with the Good Samaritan. And we see that with James when he tells us in chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. He says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and if one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead, right? Like, Christianity is more than just coming to church and worshiping and reading the Word of God and believing in Him, right? There has to be works that accompany your faith. And yes, you'll be challenged in different ways of that, but oftentimes it's just in practical ways of living and showing love, right? And doing it in uh, works, doing it in good works, Let's try to finish up. Uh, Verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Right? Like, I don't know anything about this guy. The only thing I know is what? Yeah, he needs help. He's hurting. Right? And he had compassion on him. And this compassion comes from us first loving God. It comes from God showing us his love. And the compassion that he has on us, this isn't something that's just that's just natural. It, it comes from and it stems from God. It's not something that can be even imitated. So when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, things to take care of the wound, and, he, and the things that he probably just had on him. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So my question for myself, and my question just for this teaching was, how do I become more like the Samaritan? One, love God. Love God. And that comes from him loving us, repenting and turning to him and obeying him. Two, challenge your racial prejudice and check your heart. I think that sometimes we may not even be aware of our own racial prejudices, and I'm I'm specifically talking about racial prejudices this morning, just because of what's happening in the world. But obviously, there are more prejudices uh, that stem from our own evil sin, right? Whether that's showing partiality because someone's rich or because it's a woman or you know whatever it may be. Uh, I think we're quite uh, unaware of how easy it is to become prejudice. And I think the Lord is loving enough towards us that he will at times challenge us and make us uncomfortable by placing us somewhere where we are faced with the ugliness inside of us. Three, be proactive, be intentional. You know, learn about other people and their cultures and their backgrounds. Celebrate it. And most importantly, love and cherish that person. Number four, stand up when you see social injustice. And there is a right way of doing that. And there is a wrong way of doing that. You know, there's a right way of doing it that doesn't lead to sin. And there's a right way to do it, I believe. And I'm not going to try to tell you the way to do it, because that's not my job right now. But there's a right way of doing it that will glorify God and that will bring about change. So you may be thinking, well, what about abortion and gender equality and so much more? There's not just racism. Well, you're right. We do need to stand up for all of them. There are more social injustices than, than is necessary. But you have to take on what is before you and what you come across when you're on the road. Verse 36, so which of these three, Jesus says, do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. We, we even still see here that the guy couldn't even say, yeah, the Samaritan guy. Because he didn't want to give the guy credit. Well, the guy who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Mercy here is uh, kindness or goodwill towards the miserable, the afflicted, and joined with a desire to help them. Be a good Samaritan. There's a quote I want to read to you, and then I'll end. Our friends are the people whom we choose. Usually friends are the same sort of people as ourselves. My neighbor is the man whom I do not choose. He is the man whom God gives to me. He is the man who happens to live in the house next to mine. He is the man who happens to sit opposite to me in the train. He is the clerk who works at the desk next to mine. I have no right to say that he is no concern of mine because if I am a Christian, I know that he is the man whom God has given to me. So that's it for this morning. And uh, you know, I pray that you uh, check your own heart. And I pray that you guys follow what the scriptures say because the scriptures are what is truth, what is real, what is right, and in a world where there's just utter chaos and nonsense, I mean, we are living in a time where we're going through a pandemic and we're going through almost a, another civil war. Like, I'm sure, I know there's been other times in our history when it's been a lot crazier, but specifically in your time, in your lives, this is something new for all of us. And we as the church, we, we have to stand up and we have to follow the commands of Jesus Remember, Jesus didn't ever really sit on the sidelines, but Jesus also didn't get wild and crazy, right? Jesus was a gentleman. Jesus was professional. Jesus, yes, he did get heated at, at some moments, but it was a righteous indignation, you know? And, don't, and, and, and I would be careful to, to think and to misplace your anger as righteous because Jesus is Jesus. Like, he knows what is righteous indignation, Oftentimes, we'll get angry, and we'll act upon something, and then we'll just claim it that it was righteous, but be careful, because sometimes it may not be. Pray. Seek the Lord. You know, when, when news comes out, when things are leaked, and, you know, there's so much information that's, that's, that's being thrown at us, like our emotions, you know, take over, and I understand that. But we have to stay even-keeled. We have to wait until we, we, we can see more information or until we can pray to God and, and help us to reveal, how do I handle this in a righteous way? Right? Because if you don't, yes, your emotions will take the best of you.